on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. Life has a starting point and it has a destination. That's right. Most people don't realize that. And, and so if your goal is to drive around in circles, that, that's fine if that's what you want to do. But I think right. so many people do that not realizing that's what they're doing. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in my side yes sir all right what's up everybody i'm Chaz wolf gathering the kings this week i've got charlie peters on the king stage what's up brother how are you Chaz? i'm great man how are you today i'm doing well i have loved all of our interaction before this call because you are just like pointed and on it up you're about business i know that today is going to bring a ton of value to the listener so tell us what kind of business that you're in brother uh so i am a professional real estate investor i am the managing partner of a company. We have four business models that we run simultaneously. So we buy properties to hang on to. We have buy and hold properties. We buy properties specifically to resell. So we buy to flip. I hate that yep. word, but everybody understands what it means. So we buy yep. to resell. We have a syndication business model. And then I also do some land development. So nice. Those are the four buckets under the umbrella. Yeah, I think that they all have uh, some synergy with them as well as can operate separately. So I love that. I've got a question before we really dig into your story. You're obviously doing quite a bit with four different business models in one. You've obviously been super successful. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had you or invited you to the show. But my question is, why are you still doing it? At what end is there for you? Like You're still pushing probably as hard as you ever have and why? Yeah, there is a there's a book called The Snowball by Alice Schroeder, okay. uh, which is it's probably the best biography ever written on Warren Buffett. Wow. OK, everyone listening should know who Warren Buffett is. So I won't go into detail on that. But my biggest takeaway from that book is that uh, he talks about how the older you get, you want to know that your life makes a difference. And so he is a, he's a compounder. Imagine a wet snowball rolling down a hill and it picks up snow as it goes down and gets bigger and bigger. And so that's the compounding analogy. And, and that's what I do as well. I'm nowhere nearly as big as Warren Buffett, but, uh, but yeah, that's what I do as well. And so he's building all this wealth up to, to give away. And he famously gave most of his money to the Gates Foundation where you had one of the wealthiest men giving to, I think the wealthiest men at the time. But right. again, I'm not playing in that ballpark, but my why in life is to really enrich others. And I'm hoping we can do something similar with regards to being able to build up the business enough so that we can impact the lives of others. I work a lot with local charities here in town and that's that's very important to me. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I appreciate your perspective on, on others. I think that entrepreneurs alike, many listening today, I'm sure probably have a similar desire to help others. I think that's what pushes us into wanting to provide a service or product at some point. I'm curious, has that always been a why for you or has that established or gotten deeper as you've gotten older? Yeah, Chaz, you're digging in now, man. So I had I had a 
son who died when he was 18 years old in a fatal car accident. We have set up a foundation in his name and my goal will be that his name lives on. And so, yeah, the other part of that is I want to honor my son. Hopefully people will remember his life and legacy. And that's what this looks like now. Yeah. And so the push and the shove becomes easier or do you just, can you just persist through it knowing that it's for such an important thing like your son's legacy? No, you know, I'm just kind of wired that way. I enjoy working. So it's, I'm the guy who doesn't like to go on vacation and I'll wake up at six o'clock and go wash the cars and make sure everything's all done whenever we're out and about. Sure. I don't do downtime well. So you said you're the operating partner. You got to have your hands busy. So that's, you're in the right seat. That's great stuff. Okay. So tell us about the journey. Was entrepreneurship always the thing for you or did it start with this real estate endeavor or tell us kind of how you got started? No, I have an older brother. He's 12 years older than I am, which that is a, that's a massive age gap for, uh, for siblings, but he's been almost kind of like a second father to me a little bit. He was, uh, he became a real estate broker when I was in high school. And quickly realized that the way to make money in real estate is not by being a broker, but by actually owning investment real estate. And he was my landlord when I was in college. (laughs) Yeah. And then I I worked for him as well, cleaning apartments, painting, picking up trash, mowing grass, all that good stuff. So yeah, I cut my teeth the hard way, man. And that's um, that's right. But yeah, but he, it's funny because no, my background at all was not geared towards owning real estate. And I fell into it after, after college, mainly through his influence. He was my first mentor in life as well as in real estate. So yeah, that's yeah, awesome. that was, that's how, that's how that all came to be. But yeah, that's cool. I've got a younger brother by 11 years. Oh, okay. um, and, but we, I didn't know my dad growing up. He didn't know I existed and he didn't, I didn't know he was my dad. And so the relationship I have with my brother is probably a little different than yours, but you're right. 11, 12 years. It's a long time. We're two different, completely two different stages of life. Even now me being in my mid thirties with four children and a wife and him just getting, he's in vet school, like single, like just a completely different angle of life. Okay. And when you've been along the journey here, obviously building Mm -hmm. this real estate business, I want to know, was it all four angles, the four different business models that you positioned? Was that from the beginning or did you grow into those over time? No, not at all. Grew into those over time. As okay. they, yeah, as just as opportunities popped up and initial, my very first real estate goal, and this is mirrored off my brother who is very much a buy and hold guy. Okay. Um, that's pretty much, he just built up this portfolio of rental properties over time. Sure. But yeah. What was your question? Oh, did it? No. Did it fall? Yeah. My original goal was, I thought, man, if I could own 10 quadruplexes, 40 units, I would be set. And that was, so that was my very first goal when I bought my first property back in 1996. There you go. Yeah. So the position of having passive income to be able to go do other things in life, or what was it about 40 units for you? That was just like, this, this is the, it's the key that unlocks everything for me. Yeah. Yeah. So when I graduated from college, I took a job in sales, originally chemical sales, and then transitioned over to medical sales. And uh, I felt like if I could get up to 40 rental properties, I could replace my W-2 income and be able to have just, my brother had this freedom. You go over to his house at 10 o'clock on a Thursday morning and he's sitting there playing with his kids in his pajamas or whatever. And right. and I wanted that. So yeah, yeah. that was, we, we, you look for a way to build up your passive income so that you can, can be released from the corporate grind there. Right. Now, would you say that same level of freedom is what drives you now? Or is it more of what you said a minute ago, which is no. the... Yeah. Helping others. Yeah. It's now it's more about building something that's bigger than myself now. 
Yeah. 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 Did you have the realization along the way? And I'm going to, I'm going to tie a couple of things back here for the listener, but along the way of helping some, obviously with your son's legacy and helping other people and having something bigger than yourself. Was that once you already had that freedom and you thought this is great, but there's gotta be more. Was that some sort of a thought that you had or did it just morph over time or? Yeah, it definitely morphed over time. That was not the original goal. No, that's, it's funny. You're a fresh graduate coming out of college and you're thinking, gosh, I hope I'm not going to be homeless the rest of my life. And then there's a company out there that actually wants you to come work for them. But you're so grateful to have this job or I was. And, sure. uh, and yeah, and that worked out really well. I had a great, it was a great career, but yeah, I worked for the medical sales for nine years. And, and then yeah, I transitioned over to real estate as I felt like and the timeline really plays into this as well. 2005 is when I left medical sales and I'm in Florida. And so the real estate market is booming in 2005. And then fast forward three years and I'm afraid I'm going to go bankrupt because of the financial crisis and everything's right. starting to fall apart. And there was about a five-year decline there where things were scary. Yeah. yeah. And then, But then we started buying again in probably 2012 or so. Got it. And so I'm curious to know through that, you just gave us such a nice setup there for good and bad decisions. But somewhere in there, tell me a good decision that you or, and or in the, inside the business between the partners you guys made that sets you up to be able to still be operating today, maybe through the storm, if you will. What was a good decision? I had this one deal in 2009, which it popped up. It was 12 quadruplexes here in Tallahassee popped up for sale. And it was one of those things where they used a commercial broker and he based the value off the cap rate and not the breakup value. And But these quadruplexes were on 12 separately deeded parcels. Oh, wow. And, and yeah, it was one of those things. I can't remember the exact numbers, but we paid uh, it was about 235000 per quadruplex that was worth probably 365 or so. If, it, wow. they just, if the previous owner just would have gone to a residential broker and said, what is yep. one quadruplex worth? He would have gotten a very different answer than yeah. how they'd value it. But it was an out of town sell and rents were depressed. Property management wasn't all that great. It's all the stuff that people look for. Yeah, so I bought that. We carved it up into pieces and, and sold it off. And I wound up making about a half million dollars on that deal. And that was as things were starting to fall apart. And I did this old school Dave Ramsey debt snowball thing where I started just paying off my smallest debt and then go to the next smallest debt to the next smallest debt. And I wound up paying all this stuff off and I got, I got my loan to value down, my global loan to value down yeah. really low on the whole portfolio. Yeah. And so that allowed me to be able to start buying again, but that was the deal. I was heavy into rentals. I wasn't carrying beach houses and vacant sure. land and all that stuff that, that kills you during a recession. So we right. had just affordable working class rental properties and they right. did fine. And I would have been fine going through the recession, but you're just scared when you wake up and this equity is just evaporating off your balance sheet as property yeah. values are dropping. It freaks you out. Yeah. I think some people in the stock market or in the crypto market have been feeling that same way the last few months. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent, man. Yeah. Just what you thought you had just gone. Yeah. Okay. And so that you said several things in there. I want to try to pull them out for the listener, but number one, you got creative. You found a deal that made sense. Even in a down market, you found, you, you didn't stop. You hadn't rolled over. You hadn't quit. You found a deal that just happened to make sense and you did the work that maybe someone else wasn't willing to do to turn a profit. And then obviously the second thing that I heard you say, the major thing was the debt snowball it really just means that you were just really intentional about getting rid of some of those things so that the ratio was good so that you can start buying again, which is so funny because there's people freaking out right now about what to do, what not to do. And there's people saying, I'm not buying anymore. There's people saying that I'm trying to buy everything possible. 
And it seemed as if like the story that you just told, you were just trying to get back to the place. to. I was trying to stabilize things. I mean, this is the financial market. And again, you got Warren Buffett coming out going, yeah, our financial system almost completely ground to a halt. And Lehman Brothers goes down and Bear Stearns goes down and Merrill Lynch is like this close to going down. That's scary. No, and you don't know what's happened. It's easy to look back now in retrospect, but that, yeah, it was just, it was a scary time. Okay. So what was the bad decision along the way that you made that, that wasn't so hot? <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of those. Yeah, of course. A lot of those. The biggest thing that jumps out to me is again, this is 2005 and that's such a pivotal time. Cause I just stepped away from my W2 income. You want to make sure you're doing things right. You want to be making wise decisions. Right. And Sometimes investors, property values, this is what a difference four years can make. Property values are shooting up. They're tearing through the roof. And anybody in real estate looks like an absolute genius right? <laughs> in right. Florida in, in 2005. And so I bought some pre-construction condos. And if you're not familiar with what those are, that's where these were beachfront luxury pre-construction condos, these big towers, Panama City Beach is relatively yeah. close to where I am, Destin, that area. Yeah. And so these developers, they have to pre-sell a certain number of condos in order to be able to get their financing for these, you know, three and $400 million towers that they're building. And uh, what people are doing is you put like a 5% deposit down on right. a $300,000 condo. That's 15 grand and property values are shooting up 20, 20% a year. Wow. So if you got a $300,000 condo, it's going up 20%. That means in a year, it's going to be worth 360. So you put a $15,000 deposit down and then it's worth 360. You make 60 grand on your 15,000. That's a 400% return. Wow. And so I started buying pre-construction condos and that, <laughs> that works great as long as property values are going up, but when That's they right. come down, it yeah, has the so, opposite so effect. Yeah. But once you get far enough into that too, you have to go from 5% to 20% down. And so we had several hundred thousand dollars set up there that literally just evaporated from, from those pre-construction condos. Yeah. I think that there's obviously a pretty specific situation in real estate, but the principles here are universal in business. And that's what I love about even just the show is being able to cross-reference and so the decision, and tell me if I'm hearing slightly off, because obviously I'm trying to take a real estate example and make it applicable for all the listeners, but the investing into something that is only going up when it's going up, like you said, everybody's looking like a genius. You could equate that to a lot of things over the course of time and maybe even crypto in today's world. I've made a lot of money in crypto, but there's a lot of people who've, made, who've lost a lot of money in crypto. So I think that I'm trying to correlate that to these are the types of investments. It doesn't mean that you don't do them. It just means that you have to do them with a different lens. And when you take a big risk, like leaving your job, like you did, or for someone else who's maybe listening, they have their business that isn't seven figures yet, and they really need to just press in to their business and not be distracted. These are the types of investments, maybe like today, like crypto, where you just go, eh, okay, here's some investment, here's some fun money, but I'm not like, I'm not planning on retiring on this. And would you maybe agree with that or would you disagree? And just give me some thoughts around that. I would agree. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, crypto is a great analogy. Wouldn't we all love to be in a time machine and go back right. to January of 2020 when when Bitcoin ran up 900% and the uh, altcoins ran up thousands of percent? <laughs> yeah, it'd be great to be able to do that. But you just don't know what's going to happen. And yeah. you're seeing that fall apart now. And yeah. You want to, I, I would say the takeaway there is be very careful if you own an asset and it goes up in value really fast. Watch. 
<laughs> just be careful. Yeah. And so for real That's estate right thing. now, I feel like in the last, since 2012, this is probably the time where I feel like there could be a pullback or a downturn, especially as interest rates climb. Sure. Uh, r- right now is a, a tough climate. Yeah. Which, so <clears throat> taking this back to building businesses, you right now, you have a business around purchasing, selling assets. And so just because you're commodity or your widget happens to be real estate, which has its kind of its own market. It's very similar to someone selling a service, a plumbing service or a product like my franchises, edible arrangements. It's like there, there's a product being sold here. And so the business around the widget though, is what you dial into. And that's what through this good and bad decision that you've given us, that's what I've taken away for myself even is you've played the in this case, real estate game long enough, but really you've played the business game long enough to where you were able to weather the ups and downs of different markets for you, your widgets, real estate, but whether it's fruit baskets or whether it's a plumbing service or whether it's a business mastermind, whatever it is that that I'm doing or that you're doing or that the listener's doing, that we have these moments in time where we understand that's not just about the widget always. It's about running the business behind it. And in the business behind it, there's pivoting moments, which you just gave two examples of. The things to do in the good time, the things to do in the bad time, maybe some good and bad decisions that you made along the way. But that's really what it is that we're building a business around this widget. Yours just happens to be real estate. And so I love the perspective that you've given here over the course of the last 20 years, really, is what you've given. Yeah, 100%. Oh, yeah. Would you say now that you've built this business over 20 years, let's just say, what do you know now over the course of two decades that you would impart to the new business owner who's listening? Maybe they're not even new, but they're just not anywhere near where you are. Just that one quick thing, like the thing that you've gotten over 20 years that there's no way someone could have gotten in two years. Yeah. The biggest takeaway I could give with regards to that is I built things the wrong way in the early days. And that is I would save up a down payment, go buy something. Save up a down payment, go buy something. Save, and so I'd spend all my cash. And in doing that, if you're doing that model, probably 11 months out of the year, you can't buy anything because you don't have enough money. <laughs> right. 100%. So, uh, That's how I started too. Yeah. You can solve that by partners. I would tell you to. Right. So uh, the way to build real estate is by find your young, hungry, go getter. Honest is critical, so critical to have high integrity in whatever yeah. you're doing, but especially in this. Yeah. You find somebody who's got some cash, who's a little more comfortable and maybe doesn't want to grind 70 hours a week. And right. you, and it doesn't have to be with just real estate. That's whatever. Opening an auto mechanic shop or a carpet cleaner or right. yeah, whatever. An yeah. edible arrangements franchise. Yes, exactly. And yeah, so I would encourage people to seek out seek out high integrity partners. Yeah. I love that. Probably the biggest thing. Yeah. It's, it's a complimentary factor of wherever you are, especially if you were talking to me at 22 and I knew I wanted to be a business owner and I was in the process of saving up for my first business. And if you had told me that there was people out there who had hundreds, if not millions or hundreds of thousands, if not millions that wanted to do deals, just put me in the right place. And I would have been a good bet um, back in the day. Now I bet on myself, but but that would have been a good bet for somebody. So maybe somebody who's listening now, that's how they're going to grow their company is they need to go either, you know, like you said, maybe raise the money or find a partner who's got the money who can take you to the next uh, level. Regarding like uh, just good decisions, bad decisions, this topic that we've been on, do you take certain decisions through any process or any discipline nowadays to try to like repeat good decisions? We have our financial models that we use 
when we underwrite properties and mostly what I do are apartment complexes now. Yeah. And we've tightened those up as interest rates have climbed. Sure. Uh, what you don't want to be is static. You want to be aware of what's happening and properties. I would not buy properties right now that I would have bought probably four or five months ago. Yeah. So it's yeah, very important to just be aware of what's happening there so that you can make the best decision yeah. Yeah. as you're trying to invest those hard-earned dollars. So, A hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. To valuing what it is that you're trying to put into play helps you make a good decision and not be flipping about it. Okay. Charlie, you ready for the speed round? We're going to go, we're going to go into some of these one word answers. I'm notorious for asking for more though. So one word. <laughs> All right, man. We'll see if it's possible, but the first question. Does it is have to be one word really? No, not really. But if you've been pretty short on your answer so far, so I don't think you're gonna have any troubles, but I might dig out some more. Don't worry. Okay. The first question is this. If you could only pick one metric in the entire business, all four of your models, what would the one metric be that you would track forever and ever? Equity. That's great. Great real estate answer. Tell me what, what that means to the business or why would you track that? That is one of, not the, is it the, yeah, probably, I would say it probably is the best uh, determinant of the success of a company. If you own an investment company, your equity should systematically increase over time as hopefully you're improving properties simultaneously paying down debt. Yeah. Okay. It, sh Very it should good. be equity. Yeah. I love it. What book would you recommend that a six figure business owner read who's trying to scale to the seven figure mark? That's depends so much on the person. Okay. I can tell you for me, this yeah. book that no one's heard of, it's called Success, The Glenn Bland Method by Glenn Bland. Okay. And my best friend's grandmother gave it to me when I was 19 years old in college. Wow. Uh, and it was a book on how to effectively set and achieve goals. Okay. So just a book on goal setting. Most people drift through, and I'm, I know you said one word answer, and I'm, no, no, please, I'm this is killing good. You this. Should, you should continue. Yeah. Life has a starting point and it has a destination. That's right. Most people don't realize that. And, and so if your goal is to drive around in circles, that, that's fine if that's what you want to do. But I think right. so many people do that, not realizing that's what they're doing. And so yeah. a goal just gives you a clearly defined destination. There's a whole process that he has for achieving goals. But I'm huge on that's one of the things that we do here in our business is that if you're a partner, uh, we share goals. I hold you accountable. And the secret sauce is right. that you will progressively work towards achieving those goals. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love that. You're hundred percent right. If the destination isn't clear or floating merely. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. If you only had one hour, Charlie, to work on your business every week, what would you do inside of that one hour to make sure that you were successfully running it like you do now? I would figure out how to delegate. Okay. Pri Give prioritize us. and delegate. Okay. Give us some specifics. What would you do inside that one hour? I would try and identify everything that needed to be done over the course of that week. And I would try and figure out if I was the only person who could do it or if someone else could in fact do it. And if someone else could in fact do it, I would work towards assigning as much of that stuff to someone else as I could. Sure. Okay. And last question. Are you ready? I'm ready. If you lost it all, what would you do? I would get up and go to work in the morning, which again, there is just how I'm wired. You want to make sure you, I would go back to a W2 job okay. because I want to make sure my family's taken care of and the sure. people are eating and the electric bill gets paid. And then I would take as much of my income as I could and work that towards creating passive income. And most importantly, as I would try and find someone that I would want to be and figure out how to add value to that person. There you go. Yeah. Yep. 
yeah, there's a huge opportunity there with value. Charlie, that's, that's great. I appreciate the answer. How can someone connect with you? They want to maybe do a deal with you. They want to learn from you. They want to just get to know you better. How can they find you? Our website is AllianceCapitalPartners.net. If you Google Alliance Capital Partners on Facebook, uh, you'll find me in there as well. So yeah, just look for this beautiful face and uh, <laughs> that's it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Charlie, we appreciate your time. You've been super valuable. Thank you for giving us multiple decades of history, experience, value, and uh, wisdom, man. We really appreciate it. We wish you nothing but success. Chaz, thank you, man. This was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, buddy. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight, and nine-figure business owners, is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.